Hey friends, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess, which is basically the overarching theme of the entire Bible and our entire lives. Clearly, we love a good messy table because that's where life happens. That's where we gather to share a meal, to talk about the good stuff and the hard stuff, where our kids throw their backpacks and share about their day over homework, where we meet friends for coffee and divulge our most honest thoughts. And that is why we're here, to take an intentional moment, to hear a fresh perspective and take a deep breath of encouragement. So guys, if we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I truly love getting to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which happens to unleash a brand new episode into your world and your speakers every other Tuesday. And y'all back with me today as my co-host is my wise and spicy and full-of-life friend, the LaTanya Pratt. And y'all, it's the beginning of May and it's Mother's Day week, and it's Foster Care Awareness Month, and we are nearing the sun-soaked days of summer, which often means extra time with the younger humans in our lives. And that is exactly why we are thrilled to have Amanda Torres as our guest for today. She's a wife and mom of five who is here to share the unexpected messes and mercies of motherhood, as well as shed some light on the challenging yet meaningful work of biological, foster, and adoptive mamas. But first, and this is more than a side note, we know that for many, Mother's Day really hurts, and this week can be extra hard, extra triggering. So we are linking a slew of important episodes in the conversation notes for those on an infertility journey and those who are embracing life as a stepmom and those who have lost babies and children and those with a child with special needs and those who are still struggling with the guilt following an abortion and desperately need hope, as well as some other unique stories about foster care and adoption. So just wanna be sure and mention that. And if you know someone who could use a specific word of encouragement, be sure and send those their way. But guys, now you are going to be so inspired by this episode. You're going to absolutely love Amanda Torres. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join LaTanya and me for a chat with Amanda. Well, we've got LaTanya back with us. And we have Amanda here today. So excited to hear from you. So guys, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you. Yay. Well, I'm excited that I get to come back again. Every time I get to come and sit at your table, I feel so loved because it always seems like it's forever since I've seen you. And then I want to tell you everything that's happening in my life. And I want to hear everything that's happening in your life. (laughs) And then it's 45 minutes and we're like, we still have a podcast. Yeah, I know. We've been talking and talking. I'm like, okay, guys, we got to hit record. and like Like sometime soon because we do have children do to the thing. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. But thank you for having me. Most importantly, I want to say thank you for showing up because in a world that's like, look at me, look what I'm doing. Celebrate me. Everybody see what I'm doing. You are like, I'm building a platform so I can say, look at you and look at what God is doing in your life. And you're mm-hmm. always leading people to Jesus and how he can clean up the mess that's in your life. Aww. And I thank you for that. Thanks, friend. How many years has that been? Man, is it four, four years? Five, four something. years. I mean, it's maybe even five. four years of like we might throw this in the trash and pretend like it never happened. Was Jack in kindergarten and or in pre-K? That's what I'm thinking. I don't feel like I even had like three kids. Was like I don't even think Pre was alive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Was. <laughs> but you were number one, and you um, gave me the courage to go first. I'm so. proud of you. Women from all over the world literally get to come to your table, share their mess, and other people are restored. So thank you for doing this. And what's exciting about today is I get to bring two of my favorite girls together. So it's really funny because I feel like a lot of people are like, I'm not a girl's girl. Like all my friends are guys. Like I'm a girl's girl. And God has given me amazing female friends that make me better. So you guys are going to get to meet Amanda Torres Just get ready to fall in love. Get ready to fall in love. Get ready to want to kiss all the babies. Take all the babies into your home. You're going to want to be like her. You're going to be inspired. But I'm going to shut up so I can see what it is that you have to say to these amazing women that are listening today. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm Amanda Torres. I married my high school sweetheart. Um, He's an identical twin. So that's afforded a lot of hilarious situations, which means... (laughs) (laughs) No. The first time I actually, quote unquote, met LaTanya, 
Stephen and I were shopping and I was a school teacher at the time. So I was looking for like that professional school teacher attire, which is so good looking. (laughs) Um, And Latanya was working at the limited. You were the manager or something? I was, no, I was just working there because I wanted to get a discount on my new clothes for not you. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Who would have thought? So I started my new job and I wanted to get a discount on clothes. And I see this woman walking in with Renee Torres. Listen. And Mm -hmm. it was not Lindsay Torres. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just so we all know, I love Jesus. But I'll check a chick, right? You know, I will check a chick. So Renee Torres and Stephen Torres are identical twin brothers. And I had a similar incident where I saw you guys at a restaurant (laughs) and I was like, oh my gosh, Renee's cheating on Lindsay because Lindsay and Renee were in our life group. And I didn't know. I mean, I think I maybe knew he had a brother, but I just hadn't put it all together. I'm like, he's with the blonde. It is definitely not Lindsay. That's our personalities though. You see how sweet that is? Jen's like, oh my gosh, she's cheating on Lindsay. I was so upset. who am I cutting? I mean, I was <laughs> fearful for my life in that limited. I'm like, oh, did she like approach you? I was like, knew, I knew something was going down. And then I realized like, wait a minute, they probably know Renee. Oh. And the way that Tanya <laughs> approached me, I was like, hi. And you're like, hi. And she's looking at Steven. And Steven's what like, what are you doing here? Steven with her. recognized it immediately. He's like, you know what? You think I'm my brother. I, I'm i Steven. Sure I'm Renee's twin. Sure. I was humbled. I was humbled. <laughs> Numerous times that's happened in the, our OBGYN's office. They thought, oh. um, because li- my nephew, Lincoln, and my daughter, Addison, are two weeks apart. So yeah. Lindsay and I happened to be there on the same day. She was in the next room. Steven steps out to go to the bathroom. Oh, Nurse walks word. in, sweating, nervous. I just want to let you know your husband is cheating on you. And he has another woman pregnant and she's in the room next to you. <laughs> and usually I'm pretty spicy, but I could not let her go on. I was like, no, that's my sister. My husband's an identical twin. She opens the door and then the office is that middle group of nurses. They're like, because they're, they're all twins. talking about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm married to and an we identical have the twin. Same OBGYN. Yes, actually, all of us. All of us. So yeah. Dr. Nielsen has seen everyone's baby. All of our goods. Yeah. All of the <laughs> baby's parts. Yeah. So we got married, identical twin. We have lots of funny stories with that. And then we have five kids. Um, we became a foster family in 2019, yeah. right before COVID really started. Um, so we've just really been on a journey, I think the last three years of looking what that world looks like, but really previously the story really goes back about nine, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I had started an art on business. That's what I currently do now. You know, when your circle of women changes mm-hmm. and you start to see that other people are living a life outside their own families, you start to look at yourself going, wait a minute, I think I can do more. And so it just led from one step to the other. So it was like, you know, I told my kids like, Hey, let's do a service project together. It was around Thanksgiving when everybody thinks about that. So I had a list of all this stuff we could do. Like let's leave cookies for our mailman. Let's do stuff for our trash workers, like real easy service projects, but somewhere on there, a homeless outreach got on there. And the kids of course all wanted to do that. And so we did. And so we, we started serving homeless outreach in the Tulsa community. And then, uh, that led to working with women in a uh, addiction facility with their children, Tulsa Women and Children's Center. And then our church started a ministry, God Behind Bars. And so then I started serving in a men's facility. And so when I think about our foster care journey, only doing the past three years, mm-hmm. really about nine, 10 years ago, God was like, I have a plan for you. Mm-hmm. I know the plans I have for you. And it was just that next step of faithfulness and going, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. Because if he had showed us the big picture, mm-hmm. I would have dug a hole <laughs> in my backyard and buried my own self going... <laughs> Not me. Like there's another Amanda Torres you created, but that's not me. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's our journey. We've got kids ranging. Um, God's got jokes. We've got a 15 year old, a 13 year old, a 10 year old, a seven year old. And a one-year-old. And a one-year-old. Yeah. And a baby starting over in our 40s. She brings so much joy though. Oh my gosh, she does. Like if there was ever a perfect baby for your family, it's her. Mm. I mean, she brings joy to everyone. I never ever would have thought we would be starting again in our 40s with a baby. I never thought we'd be an adoptive family. But man, God had plans. And so we often joke with our other four kids that are our biological kids. We're like, you know, she really was chosen. Mm-hmm. We kind of got stuck with you guys. Oh, yeah. I really love your dad. <laughs> so true. But she is the chosen one. And <laughs> the chosen one. And they laugh because they really, I mean, that's how they feel about her too. Mm-hmm. You know, just the miracle of her life and how she came to be with us is I just, it's indescribable. Mm -hmm. 
it's so fun because we have lots of mutual people, lots of mutual friends, but we are just kind of getting to know each other. But it's fun because our boys have played against each other in basketball and baseball. And so we get to run into each other a bunch. And we found out through this that our sons, our 10 year olds were born the same day same doctor, same hospital. And in fact, I think my uh, C-section got pushed back because of you. I mean, but he slid right out. So (laughs) I don't hope you weren't waiting too long. (laughs) (laughs) What time was he born? Um, He was two o'clock something. Oh, are you sure? I was waiting on you. Yeah. You were waiting on me. Yeah. You know what? Because I always remember Because you were a C-section. He was finishing up a C-section because we actually have another uh, friend at our school. He was born with Dr. Nelson uh, right before. So I think he delivered her baby, then did your C-section. He is a busy man. Busy man. Yeah. Is. Jack was born at 1234. I always remember it because it's one, two, three, four. So maybe he was one. I don't know. Uh, there's so many of them. I can barely get their birthday straight. That's yeah. So but anyway, sweet. we were having a very similar experience yes. at the same time. Just bringing these life-changing babies into the world. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, just your kids and we were talking about this will actually air Mother's Day week. So it's so fun just to think about this range of kids that you have and how they've come to you in all different ways. I know you've said that one was planned. The rest uh, were yes. surprised okay, so, and the one was chosen, right? Yes. Yeah. So we, um, you know, Steve and I had been together a long time. We actually went to separate colleges for four and a half years. So the plan was we'd graduate high school. He would go play football wherever he's playing football. And then he'd transfer the school I was. And that never worked out. Um, and I'm really grateful it didn't because it was kind of the foundation of our relationship and communication. Um, so we got married. We always knew that we wanted to have a family. Like we're both very kid oriented. And it took us over a year um, to get pregnant with Mason. It was a really, really hard time. And Dr. Nelson was really convinced that we were going to have to do infertility. And I was like, Oh, I got twins that run on my mom's side of the family. Like I'm not that, mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, John and Kate plus eight. That was like a real popular <laughs> show. It was. Yes. Then. You know, I'm like, we're not doing yes. that. I like kids, but I don't know if I like them that much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we just kind of prayed and we're like, you know what, Lord, your will be done in this situation. We're not going to seek that route yet. Not that we were close to it. We just didn't feel like that was what our next step was. And so right at about a year, I found out I was pregnant with Mason. And then shortly after, I really started having some heavy bleeding and a lot of cramping. And I thought we were losing him. Hmm. And um, I just thought, man, here I am like about to have this dream of being a mom. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be gone. I remember just laying on a bed, just like pleading, like, Lord, don't take away what you've given me. We've waited so long for this Mm -hmm. and ended up being fine Hmm. and went on to have him as hard as we tried for him, uh, stopped nursing him and then... Addison comes along. And <laughs> there like, she I'm is. Sorry, what? What is <laughs> you asked for this, darling. I did. <laughs> and we really were at that stage, like, you know, um, we have a boy and a girl, and almost like almost almost like a poverty mentality when it came to children. Like, why should we ask for any more? We have two healthy children. Mm. But, you know, if we get pregnant again, we'll get pregnant again. So it's kind of like if we had a third child, great. And if we didn't, we were so happy with what okay. we had. And we were worried financially, honestly, like, how are you gonna take care of another kid? You yeah. know? And we got pregnant with Micah and that kid was a holy terror. (laughs) He was um, like, I thought my first two were really strong willed. He takes the cake. He was defiant, say the most horrible things to you. I've left full grocery carts in the grocery store and walked out because his behavior was so horrible. Um, He's so sweet now. He is. is. So I want to say, was it last year or the year before he received the leadership award in his entire class? Mm-hmm. And I think the cool thing is seeing how God gives every single one of us at birth. He gives us these gifts and mm-hmm. these talents. And then he provides you parents mm-hmm. that help you like guide and bring out these gifts and talents. So mm-hmm. you can be all that God's called you to be like, that's our job. Mm-hmm. And as it's Mother's Day weekend, like, let's not forget that that's a really big job and you do it so well. Um, I had like six boys at my house two weekends ago (laughs) and Micah, whatever Micah wanted to do, the littles wanted to do Mm -hmm. it too. So like if he's sitting on the couch, everybody is on top of my, like he's a leader. He is a leader. And I know that you're probably thinking, wow, what a journey. 
but wow, what is he going to do for the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. And we, I mean, we totally believe that, but man, when you're in the trenches, like when you're a mom of young kids and everybody else's kids look in there so cute and just sitting (laughs) nicely and your kid's like Mm -hmm. everywhere (laughs) and telling you that he hates you and you're the worst mommy in the world. And (laughs) just that, I know it's It's funny now. We tell him now, like he was riding his bike one day. I think he was two, his little, uh, like balance bike on the trampoline. And my, um, stepdad told him like, Micah, you got to get off that. You're going to fall. And he took his bike and he chunked it and he starts yelling at him. <laughs> and Grampy was like, they call him Grampy. And they're like, Micah, get down right now. You're going to have to go to your room. He's like, you're just a mean old man. So, <laughs> like <laughs> the kid. Where does that come from? Love it. It's just, he was really hard. And so those days were often like pretty lonely mm-hmm. because I couldn't go do a lot of things because I knew I had to be consistent and diligent with him Mm -hmm. on a minute to minute basis. And so it did pay off. But those were four years of really like I felt like I was doing more ministry in my own biological child than I have in foster care. Yeah. I just remember going to pre-K with him one day. And there were two Micahs. There was a Micah B and a Micah T. And so that's how they Mm -hmm. went through. And so I walk in and I'm thinking, we didn't even put him at our private school the other kids were in Mm -hmm. because I needed to know that he would know how to behave if he was carrying the family name. That's funny. (laughs) We sent him to this other little private uh, preschool and I walked in and she was like, oh my gosh, Micah just has the best godly character. Like we're so grateful to have him. And I so quickly dismissed that woman. I was like, oh, I'm Micah T's mom. And I walked right past her and she goes, yes, I know. And I was like, oh, "Oh my gosh. So I learned that day. Then I sat through that whole parent night just spewing because I'm like, he knows how to behave, oh. but he's still pulling this stuff up. <laughs> um, yeah. But Comfort. it really took him being around others. It just from that moment on, he just had a little bit of a switch and moved to more positive, like, He's no longer going to be like leading a gang in the penitentiary. <laughs> he's going to be leading. He's going to be more like Paul. Like Come he's on. still going to be rough Come around on. the edges, That's but okay. he's going to do Listen, what he set out to do. We need men of integrity with some grit, you know? Yeah, he's got it. I love it. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting, though, because it's not like you were sitting around thinking like, how can I bring his gifts out? Like, how can I refine them and leverage them for God's glory? You know, which it's great to ask those questions, but really what you were doing was the next right thing. Like, okay, he needs more attention at home right now. I need to, like you said, have a little bit more of a strict schedule. I need to really be intentional with him. It's probably not like you were thinking, how can I get these gifts to just pop out so everyone could see them? You were just trying to like survive the day day. (laughs) and probably, you know, somewhat meet him where he was at. Yeah. And with what he needed. That's a really hard tension as a mom because he really taught me I needed to not look at how this was reflecting on me. I needed to focus on his heart and making sure that he was getting what he needed. And I wasn't crushing the good things that God did put in him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Lord really started working on me and saying, I think you care too much about what other people are thinking Mm. and you really just need to focus on your own child. And so if I didn't get that lesson enough, then he gave me Stevie Joe and she's the humbling child. She's the one everybody loves. I say everybody loves her because they're not her mom. Um, She will say the most embarrassing things, do the most embarrassing things. Oh, please give us an example. Uh, Some of them aren't really appropriate to give. That's fine. Um, It's a messy table. I'm thinking about the day at your house. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's (laughs) what I was was definitely wondering if that's what you're going to bring up. I don't even know if I can say this story. I want to hear the story. Okay, so I'm going to share the story and you may edit this out, but she has an older brother. So we're just going to preface it with that. And uh, one thing I love about our school community is the older kids really do take interest and they see little kids. Mm -hmm. So she grew up on the football field with all these boys. So, you know, now they're 15 and whatever Stevie does or says, it's funny. And they try to get her to say stuff that's wildly inappropriate for her age, (laughs) but fine for their age, you know, if they're joking around a group of boys. And so we're having community night. We're at, we're actually not just having community night. We are celebrating oh, Advent. Advent. <laughs> okay. Oh. We're celebrating Advent. Perfect. And precious Stevie Joe proceeds to say, Latanya, I saw your friend D. <laughs> and I'm like, D? I said, was he at church? She said, yeah. And I said, D, D. She was like, D's nuts. <laughs> And I, Kinbon was standing there because everybody was so, she sold the story. We all wanted to know who D was. Like I literally, I racked my brain. I was like, D, 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 D from the church. And you know, my next question is always like, so is he black? Like, what's he look like? You know, I was going to ask who's D. And I said, good old Stevie. 
Yeah, but so. she's everyone's favorite. I love it. Everyone loves her. I bet she got a good laugh. Um, the entire Ken place alone was spit a out his coffee. Like Ken Von <laughs> couldn't breathe, and he said, "That's what you get." And he walks off. I'm like, "Wow!" Yeah. Just slap I on there. I got in trouble actually. <laughs> so that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, but she. Um, she just doesn't have a care of what other people think of her. She's just a very free spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I've also just had to learn that, you know, uh, what she looks like, how she behaves. It's not, if it's not wrong with her character, her integrity, or God's plan for her life, then I need to just kind of leave it alone mm-hmm. and let her be the person God created her to be, despite how embarrassing it is to be <laughs> her mom at times. Think mm-hmm. about what you just said. Like, I pray that no one rips that from Stevie Mm -hmm. because I feel like as a child, I was like carefree, Mm -hmm. but you allow the world to speak into you. And all of a sudden you become the tamed version of yourself. And I don't know if me limiting how I show up is limiting the call that God has on my life because like, it's limiting us. It's those who get to glean from you. Well, yeah, there, I'm sure there's an exciting side you could uh, glean from, but (laughs) that taming down. But I just pray no one rips that from her. But I also think those are things we can think of as an adult. Like, is this ruining God's plan for my life? Is this a heart issue? Or is it just like, I'm different. I go against the grain. And I think it's important for us to do life in community and together and not alone, because watching you parent Stevie helps me parent my kids, because I have always been like my kids need to dress this way for church. We need to show up this way. We are the Pratt. Like, mm-hmm. do not have these people out here in these streets talking about me because I will not be embarrassed. <laughs> and then they met the Taurus and family. Now my kids wear leggings under shorts, um, sweats <laughs> to church, and shorts all year round. Mm-hmm. And I'm freer. And I'm like, whatever you want to do. But I've also learned that. I'm too busy thinking about my kids being my report card Yeah, that mm-hmm. I'm forgetting about their hearts. Yeah, so true. Like, how does this reflect on me? No, how does this affect their heart? Mm-hmm. How does my response to how they're behaving affect their yeah. heart? Exactly. One of my least favorite things is being misunderstood. And so sometimes I want to like over communicate mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not what I meant. Or <laughs> that's not what we're doing. Or oh, yes. let me give you like the behind the scenes story of why my kid looks like this. And it's like, who cares? And all of us are in ministry. So her husband works at the church. My husband, they work at the same church. Your husband is in ministry. And I don't know if the world even puts this on us, but I think a lot of times we put it on ourselves, where it's like, I know that's not Pastor Kenzon's kids up in these (laughs) streets wearing shorts where people probably do not care because they're worried about their own life. But my biggest fear is like, hmm can't even minister in his own house. How mm. is he going to be out in here? You know, like yeah. that's my biggest fear. Just like in the back of your mind. Yes, it's in my own mind and no one else is concerned. Right. I loved something you posted recently. It was Easter. And I think one kid had come from a baseball yes. game and then another kid was wearing <laughs> like a flat build hat. That was my that's Micah. And, and with our Stevie's face. Which is exactly what my son mm-hmm. wears every single week. And I think yeah. when he was young, I ended up relenting and letting him wear a different costume every weekend to church because it was just not worth it. It wasn't. It is that kind of mental check, though, in mm-hmm. ourselves of yeah. like, okay, am I, d- I mean, God doesn't care. So no. am I doing this no. for me? Am I doing this for other people? Yeah. Because he still went to church on Easter and still got the same message, whether mm-hmm. he was in his flat bill leggings and shorts versus if I put him in clothes that he would have groaned and complained and probably missed the message had I put him in, you mm-hmm. know, because he'd be pulling out everything. I'm telling That's you. That's a good point. It's a good point. Okay, so we can just hit all kinds of bunny trails, but take us back to some of your foster journey. Obviously, you said that the journey actually started with yeah. one next step at a time, serving, and where did it go from there? Oh, man. So um, I feel like my whole life has just been just interwoven together because when I had started Arbon, there's a lot of women who were fostering, but of course I was like, did, wouldn't even consider it. That's like, not for me. That's not for me. That's so great for them. That's so great. Um, and then of course it was that, I mean, we have four kids like, yeah. and that we were in the thick of Micah being pretty rough at that time. I don't even know if like I'm qualified to raise these kids because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm leaving grocery carts at Walmart with the kids <laughs> screaming, I hate you. Um, I'm sure people were going to call DHS on me because he was making such a scene. Um, who hasn't left a cart somewhere? Uh, Anyone, Latanya? Yeah, no, you left I a can cart? tell you she hasn't because her kids were in line. Well, 
I know those Pratt boys. <laughs> haven't left a cart. Mm-hmm. Haven't left a cart. Okay. I'm calling it now. We need I, everybody to like raise a hand. Who yeah. has left a cart somewhere <laughs> and who hasn't? I mean, have you really parented if you haven't left a cart? Or at least, okay, let, let's say this, or at least taken the kid and been like, all right, we're done here. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. And I think it's because you all are worried about the children. My children are worried about how I might behave. <laughs> So I, I actually think that's why. So my kids, so maybe it's like, so we need a child a ever crazier. had to take their mom out of the store. Like mm. maybe that's what oh. we should ask. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got lessons to learn from you because <laughs> they're still the baby. Still the baby. They're still the baby. She's perfect. I remember one yeah, time being in Target and Hallie refused. So she, my daughter was super strong-willed as a toddler. And I remember her refusing to get in the red cart, refusing like to get in the little mm-hmm. top what's it called? The top seat shelf mm-hmm. thing with the legs that go through. And she was arching her back and she was just refusing. And so we got to go to the bathroom and have a nice little yeah. chat. We got to go twice, twice. I like, twice. but I was like, we are staying at Target. <laughs> we are not leaving. But I remember carrying her like a surfboard, <laughs> like <Yeah>. screaming <laughs> to the bathroom and you know, good times. Anyway. So fostering. Okay. Um, so I had a little, another woman on my Arbonne team. I was helping her get her business started and she was a foster mom. And when I say foster mom, like she's in it, in it, like she had lots of foster kids and they had just taken in this little four week old baby mm-hmm. and her son was going to play a football game that night or older one. And I said, you know what? Let us just watch the baby. It's too cold outside. Steven was gone that night, but it was me. And then our three younger biological kids, um, they were getting ready to go to bed. I said, Hey, lay the little baby on the bed. I want you guys to sit right next to him so he doesn't roll or move. I'm going to take a shower real quick before you guys go to bed. And I came out and I looked at Micah and he is bawling looking at this baby. And I just like, honey, what's wrong? And he just started asking these questions like, mom, where's his mommy? Like Mm. his mommy that he grew in her tummy, where is she? And it was at that moment, like the Holy Spirit just dropped my heart. Like your kids can handle this lifestyle and I'm going to call you to it. And I was freaked out. Like I knew that's what God was telling me, but all those what ifs enter your mind. Uh, what's going to happen to my family? What if, you know, we don't do this well? What if this ruins my kids? What if this causes my husband and I to get a divorce because all the stress that's added to it? What if, like crazy things. Sure. And um, so Stephen came home that night and I kind of told him what happened. He had a men's small group that next morning, like at 6 a.m. And he calls me right after it's like eight o'clock. He's like, hey, after you drop the kids off at school, meet me at the house. I need to talk to you about something. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I'm like, great. You know, we can't just be rational people. (laughs) He's cheating on me. Yeah. No. He wants to leave. Why do we do that? He's got to meet me at home. He just confessed. Yeah. So he gets like, so he, I'm stressing. I'm like, maybe it's because I don't keep the house clean enough. So I'm like cleaning stuff up, you know, putting on some mascara. Yeah. He walks in and I'm like, yes, honey. <laughs> it's terrible. He was like, well, uh, Bruce told me that I'm supposed to be a father to the fatherless. So I know you want to be a foster parent and you've wanted to do that for years. Cause I'd, I'd mentioned it. And Stephen had always said, I just can't do that, honey. And so I was always like, Lord, if it's your will, you know, change his heart. But then when the Lord changed his heart, I was like, no, I scared. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I'm not qualified. I don't even think I'm doing a good job with my kids. Before you had the buffer of like, he's going to say no. Yes. (laughs) I mean, he was like the security, like, like, I mean, foster care, I would, but my husband won't, (laughs) you know? And so then when my husband would, suddenly I had to get real with the Lord. So I opened up um, the computer. I started working on that foster care application about to hit submit and just really got scared. And I closed my computer um, and I just prayed and I said, Lord, I know that you've shown us. Like, I know that I know that I know that you've shown us, mm-hmm. but I'm scared. And I went on my regular day and I picked my kids up from school and I came home to check on something for work. And when I opened my computer screen, Facebook was up. So one of my kids must've got on the computer and the very first picture had a kid holding a sign that one of my friends had posted that said, will you be a foster parent? And I was like, okay, Lord, I feel like Gideon and I've thrown the fleece out, I think more than once or twice (laughs) and you keep sending the same message. So I toggled over to the other screen and I hit submit. And from that day forward, uh, what God continued to show me is I don't need you to look at the big picture Mm -hmm. and the end result because there's no way that you're going to see what I see. Mm -mm. But what I need you to do is do the next right thing. Take that next step. So then I just looked at it as a small process, like, okay, Lord, um, right now we need to go get our fingerprints for a background check. Mm -hmm. We need to schedule 
um, our home study, we need to take these 27 hour classes and each one of the things and all the way up to, they're like, okay, your home's open. What's the next thing I had to do? I had to just answer the phone. Mm -hmm. I've never answered so many car warranty things because you get all these numbers that (laughs) pop up on your phone and you're like, hello, thinking your life is going to change. It's like your car warranty. (laughs) And why is it always the robotic voice? I'm like, this does not work people. No, it's but so you know annoying. what? I still don't hang up on the robotic voice because what? like, oh, I feel gosh. so bad hanging up I on don't. people. So I'm like, Hey, I'm like, just in case someone was just born with that horrible voice. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to have to hang up. Like I'm going to have to, I say it every time. <laughs> Sorry, I Whether just said what person. is wrong with you. I didn't <laughs> I mean to say that. You hardcore. <laughs> All the time. I'm like, just in case there's someone on the other line, I don't want them to be like, because it's, think about it. It yeah. could be their job. And they hear negativity so your all job. day long. Like how, I just feel like personally, that would be the worst job given to me, mm-hmm. like yes. calling people that don't want to hear from me. Okay. I'll make sure that it's not a real voice and that it's just a robot voice. Are you a real voice? That's it. Call me back later if you are. I feel like you can typically tell. But I just make sure. Okay. Yeah, good. So you're so you're amazing. So you Incredible. think of people in ways I don't. The so sarcasm it takes all, it takes all of us, doesn't <laughs> it? Does. it? Just to make the world the work. body of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I must be the foot. And you must be the heart. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, um, then. yeah, we just did the next right thing, and um, we got a call. Our first placement. We um, most precious little boy. We got a call mm. for him. Um, we said yes, and we had him for about a year and a half, and worked really hard on transitioning him to his adoptive home. Uh, with his other siblings. And that ripped my heart out. It's the thing that people say, I still can't talk about it without crying. Um, Because the time he was with us, he was our son. Like, we actually thought that we would adopt him and hit one of his brothers. And when he, um, God revealed to us that there was another plan, which, I mean, literally, I don't ever have problems sleeping at night. And I there was one night I could not sleep. And my heart was just in turmoil of what was going to happen to these boys Mm -hmm. because we wanted to keep him with our family, but we also knew that we were being close handed, that we, we wanted him to be with us. Um, but he had these brothers that were amazing and I knew that they needed to be together, but I also knew we couldn't take in four additional children Mm -hmm. on top of our four. I knew that we didn't have the capacity to give them what they would need. Mm -hmm. And that burdened me. So when another family did step up, I had to be open-handed with it. I remember that night I woke up and I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to pray, grab my journal. And I went to my closet. And usually like when I journal, it's like, okay, Lord. And I write, like I'm writing a letter to him and all my feelings. And I always tell people if they find my journals, you're going to think them a crazy person Mm. Um, because it is everything. true. It's like, and I keep them all. So the day I die, my kids are going to be like, I knew my mom was. I knew she was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I knew it. I'm like, I don't journal. Um, (laughs) That's exactly why. I'm going to keep that in my heart. I'm going to keep that in my heart. (laughs) Y'all ain't ready. (laughs) That's truly truly how I feel when I go back and read stuff. I'm like, wow, Lord, I thought I trusted you, but apparently not. Um, (laughs) But it's really healing when you're doing it. When I go back and I look at that journal entry, it started out Amanda. And it was like the Lord was writing in my own handwriting, a letter to myself. And he said, I have a plan for these boys and I am raising up a new family for them. Mm. And on one hand, it was so freeing because I knew knew that God had them and I knew we had a plan, but it also was like a dagger to the heart because I knew that that plan was no longer going to be me at a senior night football games mm-hmm. on parent night. I knew it wasn't going to be me dancing with him at his wedding. I knew that that was coming at a high loss for us. And so um, mm-hmm. transitioning to his adoptive home was exactly what people are afraid of in foster care. They're afraid of getting too attached, but that truly is the whole point mm-hmm. because these children have suffered more than we could ever imagine. And willing to absorb some of that hurt for their healing is really truly what I feel like God has called all of us to do in some capacity. Um, And what I've really learned through this season is watching pain come into our house and brokenness and standing at the edge of redemption for families and for our family too, because it really revealed a lot of areas that we weren't doing a good job with our biological kids because when you have your biological kids, I feel like we really took for granted the time we had. So you may let a couple of behaviors here and there slip because, mm-hmm. yeah, I got to borrow with them. Like, they're my kids. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
But when you have a foster child in your house, the way we look at it is every day matters. And it is our responsibility to help them heal and to help them learn a new way of life and how to interact with people and relationships. Mm -hmm. So we're very, very intentional. And we realized how intentionally we're with him and helping correct some things that um, he had never known before or teaching. Mm -hmm. How old was he when he got him? So he's four and then he, um, and he had him a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. long time. Yeah, it was. And it was, you know, now I look at it and it's a, you know, blink of an eye, the season that he truly was with us, but it was life-changing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for him too, I'm sure, but more so for us. Like a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, he's so lucky to have you as a family. I'm like, no, no, there's nothing lucky about what happened to him. That is Satan having a field day in a family's life. Like mm-hmm. that's not luck. We were lucky that God matched us with him because we learned so much about God's love for my children, for him. And I truly changed my prayer life because you feel like you have a lot of control over your biological kids' lives, but really anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But with him, I had no control. You know, the courts and DHS were making decisions for his life. And the only thing I could do was write my court reports and pray. Mm-hmm. And it was the prayers that changed the trajectory of his family's life and his siblings. So we still have a relationship with him. In oh, fact, good. they're coming over. He and his three other brothers, the baby brothers, like attached to mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three older ones, he and his two other brothers are going to come stay with us at the end of the weekend or the end <gasps> oh, of the month. So we're so excited awesome. to have them. And um, it's just, it's a blessing to be able to be more like aunt and uncle. Yeah. Uh, because it could have been a different story. It could have been a story where he was sent on the other side of Oklahoma. People didn't want to have a relationship with us. And that's not the case as adoptive families. Oh, very open-handed. Blessing. Oh, it's, I mean, it's what we prayed for. Mm-hmm. Because um, our oldest, Mason, he had a very, very close bond. He really went through a really long period of grief. Um, He's 15. He was 14 when little guy left. It's what we always call him. Um, And when he left, Mason really withdrew from a lot of his friends. He took a lot of his anger out, like on the sports field. So that worked out for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But he would just, he would cry. I've never seen him cry as hard as he's cried over his brother. Um, what's really cute is little guy um, had a baby brother that was born into foster care. His mom had another baby and she let little guy name his baby brother. And Aww. she, so his baby, the baby's name is Mason, just like our oldest. And so they call him Mason Jr. Um, or MJ. And it's just a really special season. So Mason's always like, yeah, it's Mason Jr. That's my little brother. I'm like, and he looks nothing like you except for the curly (laughs) hair. So there's that. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. When I hear this story, I have to go back to what we were talking about with Stevie, how um, I hope no one strips Stevie of who she is or the world tells her who she should be. So I was in a small group with Amanda and we did our spiritual gifts. Mm. And Everyone has spiritual gifts. There's a top five. And Amanda's top is mercy. But she's gone through life where people have kind of told her where she's like strong. And basically, um, mercy was something that she didn't have. So she began to question what that was. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if we stop lending our ear to Christ and who he tells us and calls us to be, and we start allowing the world to fill in who it is that we're supposed to be, we miss out. And when we miss out, if you weren't obedient, if you didn't listen to that voice of God saying like, no, yes, mercy is your spiritual gift, babies, like the lives of babies would be different. Mm -hmm. You not listening to the voice of God doesn't just affect your life. It affects the people that you're supposed to minister to. And I just remember you saying like, when I first heard mercy or I I read mercy, I was like, me, like not me. And then Mm -hmm. you started to go down that path. And it's just, God continues to show you that like, these are your spiritual gifts. And I gave them to you to do big things with. So it's been beautiful. It that way. It's, it's been really beautiful to be on this side of it. Yeah, and watch we, you were, we were in that small group together in that really hard season. Mm-hmm. And there had just been the enemy really just put specific people in my life to attack my life in the same way over and over of just like, how can you call yourself a Christian? You're too hard nosed. 
but really it was people we needed to set boundaries with. Uh And so when I remember taking that spiritual gifts test, mercy was so high on my spiritual giftings. I laughed. I'm like, I took this test wrong. (laughs) But of course I went through, um, it wasn't in Jesus, the King, we did it. So Jesus, the King was the first study we went to by Timothy Keller. And that is a life-changing study because you are studying the word. It's not someone else's thoughts. Like mm-hmm. you're you're reading Timothy Keller's book. You're With in a Mark. workbook. You're in the book of Mark in the Bible. I mean, it's about 45 minutes to an hour of studying five days a week, the word. Wow. And that was the first and one then we, we did blue letter Bible. So you're looking at the, mm-hmm. you know, just digging in. What does this mean in Latin? Yeah. Why would Jesus use this term? It was it was the best, really most good. challenging. Same, all time. Yeah, the same Bible studies or Bible stories you've heard your whole life. Yes. Um, you know, the women that was bleeding and the guy getting lower down into, you know, to meet Jesus and his friends. It just those changed mm-hmm. so much for me during that study. But then after that study, we did one by John Eldridge called Waking the Dead. Mm-hmm. And that was removing the blind spots from your life, looking at the attacks Satan sent to your life over and over to see them what they truly are. So you can have 2020 spiritual vision for your life. And it was that when we took the spiritual gifts test and it was when I was like, okay, let's look at where Satan has sent these attacks over my life since mm-hmm. a teenager on my gift of mercy to disable it. So I'm not operating in that gift. Interesting. It was really um, when I started to accept that, you know what? I, I am a merciful person. Mm-hmm. Did but you start to remember like situations in your life? I did. And, but one of my other gifts, which I feel like sometimes they butt up against each other, but they don't because God gave me is discernment. Mm-hmm. And so discernment is one of those things that I can feel when people's motives are wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was those people that were, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing that I set boundaries up against that would then turn around and tell me the things that Satan wanted to say to me and wanted to do and to destroy my life. And when I started to see that clearly, it was like, okay, I am a merciful person and I'm not going to listen to that voice. And you know what's funny? Never did those, those type of attacks never have not come since then. Hmm. Never again. Now, new attacks come, you sure. know, but it's just, I'm able to recognize them a lot more. And those studies were amazing, but also it comes with the women who are in that study. Are there, if they're women that are really going to protect that time to show up for you, And as you're sharing your story, really be able to speak truth into your life. Mm -hmm. So the studies were great, but it was also the people that sit in that circle that are willing to go in and do the same work. You're on your, like Latanya was on her own spiritual journey at that time, Mm -hmm. walking through some healing of what she's been through in her life. But as she's sharing that, it's witnessing, you know, that's how good God is. Mm -hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit's witnessing to me what she's saying and when you're seeking God, he is faithful to show up. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the power Mm -hmm. of community too. Yeah, Yeah. 100% speak into each other what we see yeah. God doing. Yeah. In community, we would have never made it through these last two years without it. Um, because we took a break after a little guy left our home uh, for about five months to allow some space and healing and really decide, like, are we going to sign up for this hurt again? Yeah. And we decided about Christmas time. So he transitioned to his adoptive home um, August 1st of 2020. And we went all the way through December. And right after Christmas, we uh, reopened our home. We had done a thing called respite in between mm-hmm. there, like other foster families needed help. Send your kids over. It's like being grandparents. It's yeah. awesome. Like for the weekend <laughs> like, or something. Spoil the kids. We're not sparing any Raleigh. We're fine. We're going to spare all the rods, actually. <laughs> and we're going to send you back to mom and dad. Yeah. Um, and that was great. But we just decided we're, it's worth ready. And so how our daughter Gabriella came to us, um, actually God prepared us for that one too, because earlier that week in January, I got a call for a baby boy to pick him up from the hospital. And we were really kind of anti-newborns. Like we've been there, done that. And <laughs> we have <laughs> gone without sleep long enough. Yeah. And uh, no, like bring it two, two to six is kind of our age range. So I called Stephen because we'd always made the pact that we would talk to each other first and we're not going to make any kind of life altering decisions Uh, without being on the same page. And that's in all areas of our life. We've handled our marriage like that our whole life. So I call him and he's like, oh, Amanda, I mean, I don't know. And I was really mad at him Uh because I was like, well, what's your reason? He's like, well, I just don't want to wake up at night. I'm like, well, that's just really selfish. Mm -hmm. So what are we even doing foster care if this is about you? I mean, I was so (laughs) snotty to him. (laughs) So snotty. And he's like, you know what? Just she said the baby's not going home tonight because of medical issues. When we'd have to pick him up in the morning anyway, just tell her we'll call her in the morning and I'll pray about it. I'm like, okay, well, that was a Jesus answer. Fine. You know, Mm -hmm. so I like... I can't argue with that. So yeah. we had to hang up the phone 
he calls me the next day and he said, no, he didn't even call me. The caseworker called me and she said, we found a home for the baby closest to the birth mom. It's like, okay, perfect. So I call Stephen. I'm like, hey, you're off the hook. The baby, they found a home for him and it's worked out great. And he just goes, I'm like, oh, well, now what, honey? Like what? (laughs) He's like, well, I mean, I really thought about it and I was kind of excited. It's like, I just can't with you. Um, He said, you know what? The next call you get for a baby that fits the level of care in which we can handle, uh, just say yes. I was like, oh, fine. Two days later, we get a call for Gabriella. And so I just said, yes, I did what he said to do. (laughs) You told me to. Yeah. And so that was like at 2.30 in the afternoon in the pickup line at school. Well, actually on the way to pickup line because I'm always late. (laughs) This is real. Um, And I called him. I said, hey, we're picking up a baby girl tonight. And again, what? Oh, my gosh. Do you remember our last conversation? I did. did. And his words were, I didn't think it was going to be that soon. (laughs) But again, it was just those next steps of like, God's faithful to prepare your heart for what he's asking you to do. And so I knew she was meant to be ours. And I walked in that hospital and picked her up that night. It was the most surreal experience to walk in um, fully rested Mm. and with an infant carrier that you didn't even know that baby existed mm-hmm. four hours before. The Did button. you pick up an infant carrier? Like uh, a we literally, community, I realized infant carrier we had was expired and I was like, the hospital surely going to check. They did not check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I literally called two people and those two people called everyone else. And within hours, the amount of stuff that was on our doorstep, mm. um, again, God's faithful to provide through your community. And it's, but I also look back at, you know, my other friends, when they've needed something, if you're willing to give your time to others, that's such a payback, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have an agenda when you do that Mm-mm. by any means, but you're like, if people need something, let's help. But to be on the receiving end of that was so humbling. Yeah. I mean, I came home and I thought, I don't have to go to the store for a few days because we have everything that we need for this mm-hmm. baby. So um, you walked in? I walked in, signed the paperwork with the caseworker and that she directed me to go upstairs to pick her up. And I um, pick up the phone because she was in the NICU. Um, and when I picked up the phone, I said her name. And when I said her name, they let me in and I identified myself as foster mom. At the same time, a woman was in a wheelchair being pushed out of the maternity ward that did not have a baby in her arms. And of course, this is COVID. You know, it's like 2021, January 10th, 2021. So everybody has their mask on. And I just made eye contact with her because I know she heard me say the name her daughter's name. And she made eye contact with me and I made eye contact with her. And at that moment, my heart was broken because you think about the excitement of picking up a baby. But the reality of the situation we were walking into was at the foundation of this baby's life was loss. Mm -hmm. She lost the connection with her birth mother. Mm -hmm. And so I always wondered what it was going to be like to pick up a baby that you didn't grow yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. where you had nine months to pray over and you knew every move and, you know, you laugh when they kick you and everybody look at my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered when a baby was placed in my arms that I didn't know about Mm -hmm. how that would feel. And as soon as the nurse put her in my arms, I just remember thinking like, I love you the same. It is no different. Um, and I do remember thinking, this is going to be real hard to give her back. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real hard. Mm-hmm. But we knew that the parents had, were on their last chance. Um, they had two other children who were in foster care. Um, and it was like third strike, you're out type situation. And so Stephen and I just really dove in um, to form a relationship with uh, the bio mom and her husband at the time. And that was the mom getting wheeled out. That was the mom getting wheeled out. Did I you really, guys ever speak of that moment? We did. So um, in foster care, they have a thing called family team meetings. So as soon as a baby's placed with the foster family, really the next day, they try to set up like a Zoom meeting that has the bio parents, the caseworker, um, CASA worker if they're involved, and then a mediator and mm-hmm. the foster parents. And so I met her on there and I asked, because I'm just the person that asked the question. Yeah. like, I'm not going to like skirt around it. And I said, was that you being wheeled out when I walked in to go get your daughter? And she started bawling. Uh-huh. And she said it was. She said, but I can't tell you how much at peace I was to be able to see you uh-huh. because I knew you had a good heart. And I'm like, I mean, did you? Well, what about <laughs> <Do crazy? I? laughs> I'm like, ask my kids that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, but we just made a commitment to do everything that we could to help them 
be successful. Mm-hmm. So we did visits for a while at the DHS office and it was in a room. It was probably like an eight by eight room mm-hmm. with three kids, totally chaotic. And I thought if they're going to get kids back, you can't learn parenting in an eight by eight room. So we transitioned um, the visits to be at our home. Mm-hmm. And so for five months, they were at my house um, for three hours every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I always remember right before they'd come and I'm cleaning up my house and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I commit to this? Why did I say, you know, all the like bickering and moaning. And then as soon as I get there, I realize this is what I was called to do. And mm-hmm. it was always life-giving. So now knowing how the case ended, to have those special moments with Gabriella's mom, birth mom, to say, I know her. I know what she was going through. Mm. Um, her mama ended up relinquishing her rights. Um, she was going to, her rights were going to be terminated. So we were headed, getting ready to head into jury trial. And she decided to relinquish. And we were there that day in court. We had a meeting and we got to be in person. And I got to sit right next to her and hold her hand. And, you know, Steve and I walked into that courtroom, you know, very nervous because she could have said, no, I don't relinquish. And we're going to jury trial, which means Steve and I would be on the stand and we would have to tell everything that we know. Mm. And I really worry that that would damage our relationship because yeah. you don't want to tell someone else's sins in front of a group of strangers. No, um, that was a huge blessing. And so watching her answer the all the legal questions that she understood what she was doing. Yeah. She's 21 years old. Mm. Um at the time she was incarcerated. So I knew she was leaving that courtroom and going back to a jail cell by herself. Stephen and I walked into that courtroom in pain and grief and joy at the same time. And it is the weirdest feeling because we're so grateful that God set her on a new path mm-hmm. um, because he needed her birth mama and he needed her birth father to make her Mm. because he had great plans for their lives too. Mm -hmm. And I do wholeheartedly believe that her mother will have restoration resurrection in her life. And that's Mm. what we pray for. Mm. Um, But it's so sorrowful to walk out of a situation like that. And it Mm -hmm. affected me hardcore for a good three to four months after that. Um, Almost like a fog of, you know, they say beauty from ashes, and I feel like adoption truly is building a new foundation of a family on top of a pile of ashes. Mm-hmm. And it is beautiful, but you still kind of feel like you're getting singed in that process. Yeah. So when I look at her, I just see the amazing things she is mm-hmm. and how God put her together and the gifts she has. Like when I say she's loved by all, like, she we're at track meets and she's waving at everybody <laughs> and they're all like, Oh my gosh, she look at that baby. She likes me. And like, she the does cutest. that to everybody. <laughs> um, come on, let yes. us feel special just for a minute. Okay? I know. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, she does like you. <laughs> Except for the one girl at church. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she pulled a, she pulled a Latanya at church. <laughs> <laughs> this little girl was trying to tickle her on her back of her head. And she doesn't like it when you, touch her face or her hands very much. So this little girl tried to tickle and she just her and all her 15 month old self grabbed that little girl's hand and just threw it right down. Like, nope. And the little girl goes, Oh, she's strong. And she goes to tickle her again. And Gigi does the same thing. I'm like, you Duh. know what? I like a girl with, uh, she knows what I she wants. Correct. Boundaries. <laughs> yeah. We set the standard dying laughing. Yeah. It's, it's fun, but we, I still have contact with her biological mom. Um, in that courtroom, the day that she relinquished, her words to Stephen and I were, I'm so glad she's going to stay with you. Yeah. Um, and you're the family that I wish I would have had. Oh. And I just started bawling because she had shared her childhood with me and those hours in my living room. Uh-huh. And I just looked at her and I said, I wish that we had been the family that you had to. I know. Because I want things to be different for you. I said, but I it's not too late. Yeah. So be a generation um, stopper because it is crazy how cyclical things can be Yeah, when you've grown yeah. up in abuse or trauma or whatever. And then, you know, you don't know how to be a mom. And there's not a lot. I mean, there are services to help. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that the foster care system has really shown us. There are services to help, but you have to know what those services are 
to advocate to get the help that you need because yeah. they're not always forthcoming with like, mm-hmm. okay, there's this and there's this. So a lot of times when we would have family team meetings, because I had the resources and the connections with people to say, hey, what about wraparound services or what about Chubbs or what about that? Like all these different, and the parents were like, I didn't know that was a possibility. And then mm-hmm. DHS is like, oh, well, yeah, I forgot about that service because they're so overloaded with sure. cases. It's sometimes, you know, they just forget or there's so many services they know about. They don't know which ones are right. It, it, so it's hard to see that side too of thinking, gosh, if they don't know what help that they need, then the cycle still kind of repeats and you need a community. Mm-hmm. So we try to be that for her mom now. We live a, about an hour and a half away from her. Um, and the way that our adoption is written, we cannot have contact with her just now. But we do believe that one day we will. But texting back and forth, I sent her pictures yesterday, um, asked how she was doing. I mean, that's kind of how our relationship is right now. Mm-hmm. I love that it gave her confidence knowing that she would be with you. It's yeah, It I, that part is I still struggle with that if I'm being really honest, mm-hmm. because in my mind, that family was going to be restored and they were going to be set on a new path. Yeah. So you didn't plan on adopting when you started fostering, right? Like that wasn't the initial plan. No. I mean, in fact, when we started fostering, I remember sitting at my living room uh, kitchen table and the foster care recruiter was there with Stephen and I, and she, we're going through all the list of like, what would you accept? What would you not accept? And it's a long process. And she was like, okay, now we need to get to the adoption question. Are you guys, is your end goal is do- adoption? Is it just straight foster care? And when she said end goal adoption, I laughed in her face. Mm-hmm. It's like, lady, we have four kids. <laughs> like, we are not looking to add to our crazy for mm-hmm. sure. And Stephen, being wise as he is, like, just tapped my leg. He goes, would you just, like, stop and listen? I was like, okay, fine. But I'm just telling you, like, we're not an adoptive family. Do not put us on that sheet as an adoptive family. And so Stephen started asking the questions, well, how many... Um, kids get reunified with their parents. Yeah. Realistically, what does that look like? And at that case in 2019, it was only about 40% of kids reunify with their families. Yeah. So he turned to me with his sass. All He's Puerto Rican. So all of that Puerto Rican <laughs> came through. And he's like, you're here to tell me that if a baby or a child is in our home, and he says for a year and a half, mm-hmm. just like little guy was, then you're just going to say no and send them on their way. I know you and mm-hmm. you're not going to do that. So I was like, okay, you can put open to adoption, but we're not, it's probably not going to happen. And so So our minds change when we have little guy, but I will say when he transitioned and the pain of that, I really closed my heart Mm -hmm. to it. Like, no, we're not, we're not going to be an adoptive family. We are a foster family, helping families take their next step Mm -hmm. or being connectors to help build other families. That's not us. Like, Lord, you've shown that to me, Mm -hmm. but that's not what he was showing me. It's a both and. Yeah. And, and if he hadn't have gone to another home, you wouldn't have ended up with her, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. Because we would have been full because we would have taken little guy and his uh, two-year-old brother. So we would have been considered full because you can have six children yeah. in a home. So I'm counting in my head and I count five. There's you one said more. six is full. Are you considering? Oh, gosh. Okay. So this is our ongoing conversation at our house. You do um, not have to answer that question. No. Right now, the reason why my husband and I have always had the we're going to be on the same page before we make a life altering decision. So I talked to our caseworker and she's like, so are you closing your home? I'm like, mm, I'm not ready to close our home. And Stephen's like, I'm not ready to close our home. But I'm telling you, we're not taking any more kids right now mm-hmm. because we are <laughs> yeah. at our capacity. Yeah. And we are. Which I mean, we, fair. we lean on our community to help. Um, when you have five kids and four of them are in some type of activity, it is a struggle when they all hit on the same night. Sure. And my parents are here in town. So that's helpful. Um, my two best friends are in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law are in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. So that part's really nice. However, um, I get a call, no, a text, good Friday service. We're sitting at service at church and our caseworker asks us if we can take in a four month old baby boy. And so my heart's like, Yes, we mm-hmm. can, because what mm-hmm. if they go to a crazy family and blah, 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 blah. Um, what if he has to stay the night in the DHS office? It's Good Friday. Like, Aww. we can suffer for Christ. You know, it's like <laughs> my mind goes all these crazy places. And I text Stephen and he was like, oh, God has a plan for that baby and it's not our family. I'm like, oh. So I text her back and I said, um, we are currently on emergency placement only, meaning 
we are an open, safe home for one to two nights. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, if you can't find a home, just let us know. We will be more than happy to take the baby tonight. Well, when I told Stephen that, he was like, no, honey, we're at capacity. Like tonight, too. <laughs> tonight. We are full yeah. this weekend. This weekend. We're full every weekend. But I do go back to, I'm not ready to make that decision to say we're closed. Yeah. I struggle with thinking, is that all we, that we're done with foster yeah. care? Because I still have a heart for it. However... I know that God's going to be faithful to show us what part we are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Because the real story behind Gigi is we were supposed to only have her for two weeks and she was supposed to go be with her siblings. Yeah. And God had other plans through multiple incidents that happened where it just said, yeah, we can keep her a little bit longer to the day that DHS asked, we are terminating on mom. Would you be willing to adopt that? We were like, well, I mean, yeah, she's mm -hmm. perfect for our family. Mm -hmm. Of course we would. So it doesn't matter what it sounds terrible. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what Stephen thinks because God has shown us over and over that if yeah. we're open-handed and say, your will be done in our family's life as it is in heaven and we're seeking after him, he's going to show us what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Because otherwise, Gabriella would not be our most perfect fifth child. Mm -hmm. So makes me think of him being the potter and us being the clay. And like some people could almost think that's a bad thing. Like, I don't want to be molded into, you know, but yes, we really want that. Like, I want to be molded into what you want us to be, what you created me to be. And you know best. So it's not like it's going to be a bad creation. Exactly. And then it <laughs> he lets me go. Stories. I don't have to be, I'm a, I'm a recovering type A, a recovering yeah. control freak. Yeah. And so when I just have to go, you know, I want to figure this out. God, you've got this. Yep. So I'm going to go on my merry way. Mm -hmm. And you're, I just trust that you're going to show me what needs to be done. It's good. As I've been listening to your story and just like having the honor of walking beside you, I consistently think of the scripture that Ken Von tells us all the time and it's Romans 12, but you have to read it in the message Bible for some reason just has to be the message Bible because like the attitude in a Bahamian voice, <laughs> in a Bahamian <laughs> voice, soul. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Every time I hear the story of someone that's changed the world for the kingdom, it's like, what do they do? Why are they different? But hearing your story, the reason why you've made such an impact is because you've done just that. You've taken your everyday, mm -hmm. ordinary life and you've placed it in God's hand and you've said, God, do with it what you please. Mm -hmm. And then you've been obedient and you've walked through the next door, no matter how crazy it is. And that is why your story is amazing because it was written by God. Mm -hmm. So as we're closing this out, how has this story changed you? And what do you want us to know? This story has changed me because it's taught me surrender and next steps. Hmm. That when I start wondering, I go down that rabbit hole of what if this, what if that, what if I'm not enough for my kids? What if I um, am leading them in the wrong way? What if I let that behavior go? What is that going to do? What if I'm being too hard on them? How's that affecting them? How am I squashing them? What if <laughs> when I go down all of that motherhood rabbit hole, and then when I come to Gabriella and I think, what if she resents us as she's older? What if she doesn't feel enough because she's the only one who's adopted? But then I just have to pause and just say, Lord, you are the author of this all. So I'm going to surrender mm -hmm. and I'm not going to worry about those what ifs. And I'm just going to do the next thing that you're asking me to do. And I'm going to rest in that because my life is ordinary. It's usually sweats and leggings and no makeup and messy buns and mm -hmm. my hair not washed in like a really long time. Mm -hmm. That's usually my everyday ordinary life. So like to hear you say impact and I, I don't, you just don't think about that because it's just that small yes that you said to the Lord. But then when you look back over your journey, you're like, look how far you've brought me. And right. I'm so grateful because it was honestly the most painful parts that were the ones that were the most beautiful and really refined and pruned me of things that didn't need to be there anyway. So surrender our next steps. Come on. You're amazing. Dang good. I'll remind you of that next week. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> okay, real quick. We love to hear resources. Has there been any resources other than the ones that have been yeah, mentioned that so you really want to share? 
I, a book that I really, without saying too cliche is life changing for me is seven decisions by Andy Andrews. Mm. That is a book that just goes on and on about people and perseverance and perseverance is biblical, right? So Mm -hmm. when I read and listen to that book on audio, it's, I get to points where I'm like, yeah, I totally would have quit. I would have tapped out and said, God has other plans for me. (laughs) Um, But then you read it and you see how they persevered through their very, very hardest moments. And it turned into a story of glory. Uh, And these are everyday celebrities or people in history. It's really um, reminds me that usually when I get to the point where I think I can't do this anymore is the point that the Lord's asking me to. Yeah, I know you can't do it, but if you'll push through and lean on me, then the next time you butt up against something like this, it's not going to be so hard. Hmm. So just take that next step, embrace the suck, or embrace the <laughs> yeah. hard, and quit complaining about it. Keep your eyes on me, and it's going to be okay. It's a word. So that's a word. So good. Final thing to the biological moms, the adoptive moms, the foster moms, the like moms out there. <laughs> what would be one final thing you want them to hear today? You're enough. Mm. You, if you have been appointed to be a mom figure in anyone's life, whether that be biological, adoptive, maybe you've lost your children, uh, maybe you're stepping in as a stepmom mm. or an aunt and an uncle taking guardianship of a child, whatever gifts that God gave you, they were meant to be for that child too, mm. because he put you in relationship with them for a reason, even if you're a birth mom, that made the choice to relinquish rights to your child for their benefit, or you lost the rights to your child through the court system, it doesn't mean that there are not good things from you that are in that child. Mm -hmm. Because I can see the good things in Gabriella Mm -hmm. from her birth mom. I look at her long little piano fingers and think, I can't help but think of her birth mom. Her birth mom has the same beautiful hands. Um, The joking side that she has and the fun loving, her mom truly has that. Mm -hmm. And so God has made you to be who you are needed to be in the relationship with the people you're in relationship with. So good. This has been such a blessing to me, and I think it will be to everyone else. So thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having me. We love you. I love you both. I love you both. Same. Happy Mother's Day. Happy, Happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. <laughs> All right. Well, I know this has gotten a little longer than usual, but there is just so much goodness and so much to cover. So thank you for sticking around. Thank you for taking the time to hear Amanda's story. And thank you for being a part of this really special community. Remember, all of the resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes, as well as some of those other powerful stories. And know that you can always subscribe for free in places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. You can always connect with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And last but not least, as you head back into your world and into your week, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess. <laughs>